athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. The year started out fun. Felt like it could have been the one. Oh, this is my year. Yeah. From the jump, they tried to impeach Trump. Couldn't the first live show of 2021. You're locked into the Dopey Show on Radio Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. As we do each and every year when we have our first show, we take a listen back with skills in his in this instance, 2020 wrap-up. I mean, I think he's been doing this for at least 10 years. I know at least 10 years, maybe going back to, to some 13 years or so. But he's always, when he does these year uh, these wrap-up shows, he takes a look at the biggest happenings from the previous year. Obviously, coronavirus dominated 2020. But I'm going to tell you what. 2021 has not started off. We we were so in anticipation of 2021, right? And all that all of the tragedy that happened in 2020 beginning with the passing of Kobe Bryant moving into coronavirus which dominated from March up until now and then all of those that passed away like it seemed like more especially prominent people passed away in 2020 than I can even remember. And a lot of that had nothing. A lot of the passings didn't have a lot to do with the coronavirus necessarily. But I'm going to tell you what, like 2021 has not gotten off to a good start at all. Listen, absolutely appalled at what I saw in our nation's capital at the Capitol building. Like, you know, I worked at the Library of Congress for seven years, I remember there was a time that you could walk underground from the Library of Congress all the way to the U.S. Capitol building. You could do that. They, they sort of started cracking down on that. I think maybe after the the first um, bombings of the Twin Towers, I guess, what was that, the 94, the mid 90s? I, I, they may have started cracking down on that. I, I don't remember. I'm not 100 uh, percent. But then ultimately, when. The shootings at the U.S. Capitol happened in 1998 where two U.S. Capitol police officers were killed. I think they totally uh, shut it down then. I mean, breaking of windows. We had one uh, uh, one woman that was shot and killed. Uh, Ultimately, three others died as well. I mean, this was, you know, it was an insurrection is exactly the correct term for what this was. And let's be honest about this. Let's look at the people that we saw that were storming the Capitol building, thinking for some reason like they were going to overthrow the government or something. And by the way, all of those involved 
with the vandalism of the Capitol building and illegally entering the Capitol building, all should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And guess what? That's federal time that they're looking at. All right. So again, unbelievable what we saw. And this is the thing about it. You look at those people. Okay. That were, uh, were insurrectionists. All right. And then you look at and how they were treated. Right. And then you look at those that were protesting after George Floyd. And let's not, you know, we, we can talk about George Floyd. Let's, let's talk about George Floyd and, and those protests. And we really saw where, uh, it was almost like the civil rights movement all over again from the sixties, but let's take it back. Not only to, to going back some months ago, but let's take it back. I mean, those people who looked a certain kind of way were treated differently than those that were protesting not only George Floyd, but let's go back to the 60s and the civil rights movement when we go back uh, to even the likes of a Birmingham, right? Uh, You go back to the likes of a Selma, Alabama, uh, Bloody Sunday. I mean, the, the, and those were, that wasn't insert, that wasn't in, that wasn't insurrection. Okay. That was protest. Right. And I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, <laughs> you almost, I mean, it, it is, uh, I tell you, it, it, it is enough to really burn you up to really, you know, really make you mad. And that's just where we are really in, and, 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 and the proof isn't the proof is in the pudding now. Right. So, you know, all of those that said, Oh no, it's not like that. And you see exactly. Okay. Exactly how, uh, it is. And so I know a lot of people referenced back to, uh, 1812 and the war of 1812 and when Britain, uh, burned the capital and so on and so forth, but let's not also, and remember that was, that was, that was not, those were not, um, Americans, right? But let's not forget the only time in American history when there was an overthrow of the government, 1898 in Wilmington, North Carolina. So, you know, we must remember that as well. I'm not going to, you know, talk. Uh, we got a lot to get to today, but I mean, got to address that is very sad. Um, you know, we there are certain numbers uh, that are out there. And one of those numbers is 25. I'm going to let you kind of figure that one out. Listen, let me set the table for you today here on the program. Got a lot to get to. Got a lot of guests that are going to be coming up on the program. Uh, We're going to talk some college football. We're going to talk some National Football League. As you know, I'm a huge Washington football team fan. I got to say this, like I'm sitting there watching the game on Sunday and the Eagles Uh, The Washington football team, wow, I mean, hadn't scored on an opening drive all year, scored a touchdown on the opening drive, and I believe on the very next possession, got the field goal, had the 10 to nothing lead. The Eagles come back, make it 14 to 10. Um, Ultimately, the, uh, the Washington football team gets another touchdown, led 17 to 14, then inexplicably... Jalen Hurts comes out of the football game. So after the game was over and Washington had ultimately won the game, I felt a certain kind of way. Like, I got to be honest with you. Like, I didn't feel great about the win. I also felt like not even more key to me than 
Doug Peterson pulling Jalen Hurts, and you you know you can look at it a number of different ways. I think what makes more sense is if the Eagles lose that game, then they go from the number uh, number six or the number nine pick to the number six pick, whatever the case may be. But more telling to me was on the fourth down call, fourth and goal from the three down three points that the Eagles decide to go for it and hadn't made it on the first three downs when they had it first and goal. So that was more telling to me than anything else. But I'm going to be honest, like I didn't feel particularly great after the game uh, because I felt like maybe if the Eagles had decided to kick the field goal, makes it 17 to 17, Jalen Hurts had continued to play, could have been a different game. I hate to say that, but that's just how I felt. But as the week has gone on, I feel I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm, you know, I'm 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 glad that the Washington football team is NFC champs and going to the playoffs and uphill battle uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. But guess what? All you need is a chance. That's what the Washington football team has is. A chance. I want to talk some college football also today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And ha, I tell you, that's why, listen, you know, I look at, and again, to me this year, and I said this on the program, maybe going back a couple of weeks ago, like I, I felt like the SEC, I mean, it, it's just been a crazy year. So no conference really was that strong. I mean, it wasn't like the SEC from top to bottom was as strong as it typically is. As a matter of fact, I mean, you know, I, I didn't, I mean, it, to me, and and we've seen where the SEC is. I mean, the SEC matched up well against the ACC in bowl games. Like the ACC is 0-6, like Kentucky beat NC State. Like that should never have happened, right? But it did happen, okay? And so, wow, the ACC 0-6, Notre Dame and Clemson, lose, right? And Ohio State, who everyone said, oh, they haven't played enough games. We should have Texas A&M in the playoff. Or, you know, at one time, let's consider USC, who only had played a handful of games as well, or whoever. Well, Ohio State showed Clemson what time it is, right? And I'm going to tell you what, like I believe Ohio State has a big-time opportunity, a shot to win the national championship. Like, I believe they have a shot to defeat Alabama in the national championship game. I know it's an uphill climb, but I like what I saw from Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State dominated Clemson. Like, you would have never thought Ohio State would have been able to do domination by Ohio State over Clemson, okay? And Again, you, you talked about, oh, they didn't play this many games. They did, you know, are, are they really that good? They, you know, they they got into the play. Well, it was the right move by the Big Ten for Ohio State to play in the Big Ten championship game, ultimately win that game and move on to the college football playoff. Good move by the Big Ten. So the Big Ten has put itself in position to have a national champion in Ohio State. It's going to be an uphill battle because Alabama was really, really good too, okay? But all you need is a chance, and I think Ohio State, in fact, has a chance. So we're going to talk some college football. I want to talk about a a couple of things with college football. I mean, I had a chance to sit back and and watch 
Cincinnati they had a chance to sit back and watch that game. Cincinnati had all the chances in the world. And I think Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati lost that game, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a blowout or anything. I mean, I think the A, I mean, when you think about the AAC conference, like it's a conference that's made up of former Conference USA schools, a lot of Conference USA schools, when Conference USA was playing some pretty good football, like there needs to be some kind of different structure with respect to the college football playoff. The Power Five schools obviously are dominating. It's not right. Uh, And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later on in the program. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row, going to catch up with Arkansas Pine Bluff head men's basketball coach George Ivory. But up next, my National Football League playoff predictions. The government never cared at all. Kids can't go to school, but they could go to the mall. Mike fought Roy, and yeah, it wasn't great, but their undercard was hard. Hey, they had to be Nate. The surges went up, and y'all was back outside, risking everything for a The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Many men wish death upon me. Blood in my dog and I can't see. Let's talk some I'm National Football League playoffs here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And one of the things that I like is the expansion of the playoffs in the National Football League. Now seven teams from each conference make the playoffs. You still have the four division winners and now three wild card spots. I'm really digging that. That means only one first round bye. So let's take a look at this because I think the hardest game to really predict here is the first game that we're going to preview, the Colts and the Bills. I think that if this were not the pandemic, I would... Uh, favor give more of a favor to Buffalo strictly based upon the fan base. When you talk about fan bases in the National Football League, Bills Mafia is definitely one of the best. I mean, you 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 think about okay, when you think about New York, mostly you think about New York City, right? Well, this is Buffalo. It's not New York City. It's more of a, you know, probably has more of a small town feel. Uh, very much unlike NYC but the fan base there is absolutely tremendous. So I would give more credence if there was a packed stadium. That said, I mean, I it's a difficult game to call. I, I look at the Colts. I look at Phillip Rivers. And you can think back to the beginning of the season. And even before <clears throat> Phillip Rivers actually came to the Colts, had thrown last year a lot of interceptions throughout the, as his uh, career has gone on 
by the latter part of his, of his career, he's thrown a lot of interceptions, and it didn't start out well at all. I think even you talk about the first four or five games, it didn't start off well for Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis as well. But, boy, it's it's going pretty well. I mean, you look at this Colts team, they're, they're able to run the football a little bit. Rivers, you know, has been good. He's You know, he's able to distribute to his receivers. So, from an offensive perspective, I think they're solid. Plus, one of the things I like about Phillip Rivers is even though he hasn't won a Super Bowl, he hasn't even been to a Super Bowl, I don't even think Phillip Rivers has been to an AFC Championship game, but he does have the experience and experience in the playoffs. I think that's an advantage for the Colts. The other thing that I like about the Colts as well is its defense. The Colts' defense is very, very solid, led by the maniac, former box-to-row All-American Darius Leonard has been tremendous. You look at that defense. Buckner has come on. I guess he's been with the team now off of injury, what, the last four, five, six weeks or so. He's played well. So I really like the Colts as a whole. When I look at the Bills, I mean, Josh Allen, <laughs> Josh Allen is has been really, really, like he started off the season like gangbusters, hit a little bit of a, maybe a three-game stretch where he wasn't uh, as good and then ultimately has been great. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with Stefan Diggs, the wide receiver. I mean, he's been tremendous. You talk about best wide receivers right now in the National Football League. I think you have to say uh, not only is, to me, is Stefan Diggs up there, he's the guy. Like, he's, you know, I mean, you we, we can look at Devontae Adams. and I mean, Stefan Diggs has been absolutely tremendous. That Bills defense is really, really good as well. It's a really, really good defense. I, it's a set, such a tough game to pick. Um, I mean, I guess there'll be some fans. I, I think there will be some fans in the stands, but not enough. But I'm going to go with maybe a bit of a minor upset here. I don't really look at this game as an upset. I think if you, you know, you thought about this, if you looked at Las Vegas, which I rarely do. I mean, I think, I mean, you know, especially the Bills at home. Like, I think, you know, most would say the Bills would win. I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts in a mild upset in this game. Uh, the next game, the Rams and the Seahawks. The Rams, like, the Rams are a tricky team. Like, it's a Rams team that lost to the Jets. It's a Rams team that lost to the 49ers when, they, when the Rams really needed to win a football game. But it's also a Rams team that has a, a, an Aaron Donald, right? It's a Rams team that can, you know, that has – you know, uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey, right? It's that Rams team, uh, you know, but I, it, just a little bit inconsistent from an offensive perspective. Obviously, Sean McVay has been there before. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's got some experience there, right? Um, the Seahawks, on the other hand, a little bit inconsistent, uh, particularly down the stretch. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I mean, obviously, Russell Wilson is fantastic. He's got you know, two stud wide receivers, you know, their running game is, is okay. And, but the thing about the Seahawks, the defense is starting to come around. Like I was waiting for that defense to come around beginning of the season. I kept saying defense, defense, defense. Well, the defense was actually not that good, but the defense. Now you add a Jamal Adams to that defense, right? It all of a sudden has gradually become good down the stretch. And that is why you know, I'm going to go with the Seahawks in this game. The game is in Seattle. Um, again, not that that matters a whole lot with respect uh, from a fan 
situation in that 12th man. I mean, I talk about the Bills. I mean, you know, is there a louder stadium when it's packed than in Seattle in the National Football League? But I just feel like, you know, the Rams are have been a bit inconsistent. Now, it's, it's, a, it's a team that could dominate really offensively and defensively at any given moment. But again, as I talked about with experience, with Phillip Rivers, look at the experience that Pete Carroll and some a lot of those guys still that were on that Super Bowl championship team um, from a couple of years ago. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. The Buccaneers are at the Washington football team. So t- Listen, you know, I'm a fan, no question about it, right? I'm a Washington football team fan, but I'm going to try to look at this as objectively as as I possibly can uh, from a from a from all standpoints, right? So obviously I look at the Buccaneers, they have all of the offensive firepower you mentioned. I mean, you know, you talk about uh, experience. Well, you don't get much more experience than a Tom Brady, right? Like Tom Brady has been phenomenal all of the Super Bowls. Uh the list goes on and on. He's got a, a receiver core. I mean, even, you know, I mean, they got injuries at receiver, but you plug a guy like an Antonio Brown who hasn't really been part of, you know, he hasn't been an integral part of the receiver core, but they got receivers all day, can run the football. What impresses me about Tampa, what a lot of people aren't talking about with Tampa, is that defense. You know, if you're the Washington football team, I mean, the offense, the offense is bad. Quite frankly, right now it's played badly, and the quarterback position hasn't helped that at all. I mean, you look at Alex Smith, he just hasn't played well. You know, it's and and I realize the calf is an issue. He looks older. He's not able to scramble as much. Sometimes he looks a little bit gun shy. But even with that being said, like I don't, I'm not surprised if you go to the backup quarterback in this football game. Maybe because of injury, we'll have to see. I mean, he's not meaning Alex Smith. He's not a hundred percent. I think one of the things that the Washington football team needs to do a better job of is running the football. I think the the Washington football team. With Antonio Gibson, he's been good. Uh, you know, maybe uh, run the football. I think the, the the Washington football team abandons the run uh, a little bit too soon. Uh, but again, it's going to be tough. Like, and, and to drop back and pass on this defensive. Uh, I mean, Tampa was ranked fifth in the National Football League in terms of sacks, right? So, I mean, what do you do? You're going to have to run the football or a lot of short passing game uh, or passing plays if you're the Washington football team. Can you keep Tampa Bay off balance a little bit with respect to your offense? Uh, When I look at this Washington football team from a defensive perspective, so in order for the Washington football team, I think, to win this game, the defense has to get out quicker. They're, They're getting out slowly. They're giving up points early and then shutting teams out in the second half. Well, you can't afford for that to happen against Tampa, especially with the type of offense that the Washington football team has, which is an offense that needs good field position in order to be able to score. That's just the bottom line. I mean, unfortunately, in this in this scenario, and I don't do it often, I'm going to have to go against the Washington football team And I'm going to have to pick Tampa Bay to win this game. Now, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I think Washington has a chance if the defense can score points, right? But I don't know uh, if that can happen. And I'm going to go with the Buccaneers in Washington. The Ravens and the Titans. Talk about good defenses, 
uh, I mean, the the rate the the uh, Titans offense is explosive. All right, Derrick Henry is unbelievable. Ryan Tannehill with Derrick Brown is phenomenal. Right, I think it comes down to Lamar Jackson and how he's able to produce. I mean, I I like Lamar Jackson. I think he's going to be able to have some success, I think, not only in the run game, but in the passing game as well. I'm going to go with the Ravens. Like, I like the way the Ravens' defense is playing. Like, I realized the Titans were in the AFC Championship game, and, you know, they've got the offense, and it's better, and, you know, Derrick Henry. I think the Ravens' defense shuts Derrick Henry down. And when you have to rely on Ryan Tannehill, he's a good player. You know, no question about it. Good quarterback. But the bread has been buttered this year with the Titans in that running game. And I think the Ravens shut the running game down this time around. I like the Ravens over the Titans in Nashville. The Bears and the Saints. It's not like an easy game. Once you get in the playoffs, like everybody's pretty good, right? If the Bears can, Mitchell Trubisky, if he can limit his mistakes, I, I yeah, I'm not like I think Mitchell Trubisky. Like I don't think he's going to be a star quarterback or anybody. He's a serviceable quarterback. I think he has a future as a serviceable quarterback. He's a he's a mobile quarterback, and I think as he continues to learn, he's going to get better. Remember, he had limited games at North Carolina. He's very much like Dwayne Haskins. Um, Ray, the Bears defense is pretty good as well. But we're talking about the Saints. We're talking about Drew Brees, um, and I just think it's an uphill battle. I mean, the Bears barely made the playoffs. They needed some help. They barely made the playoffs. They had to rely on teams to lose. And then the Saints are are, are pumped up. And I like the, the Saints over the Bears in New Orleans. The final game, the Steelers and the Browns. So the Browns did what the Browns needed to do to get into the playoffs, beating the Steelers last week. But the Steelers were down a bunch of players, including Ben Roethlisberger. Listen, I don't think there's anything. I mean, yeah, the, the offense has struggled, no doubt. But I don't think there's, like, Ben Roethlisberger to me, and I've watched him play, and especially when you look at the beginning, he's got something left in the tank. He's had a week off, right? So he should be renewed, refreshed. It's an experienced uh, player in Ben Roethlisberger's, won two Super Bowls. He's got an excellent receiving core. And while I think the Steelers' defense definitely has been hurt by injuries, it's enough of a good defense to do well in the playoffs. Mike Tomlin is going to be the guy because he's going to be the guy to motivate those guys. No Kevin Stefanski as the head coach on the other side for the Browns. And I like the Steelers in this game. Your thoughts on Twitter and Facebook. Up next, Arkansas Pine Bluff head men's basketball coach, George Ivory. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused. Just really, you know, excited. He's Chadwick Bozeman and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You are, in fact, a graduate. What do you remember me? most about your days at Howard? Howard is like one of those experiences where <laughs> you know it's a it's a bubble, you know it's a it's a special moment. Like I had some great teachers. Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers. You know, I just remember being nurtured to respect black writers, black directors, black actors, as well as the classics. 
so you got the full scope of what you should experience and i think that's unique to howard i just love the fact that they respected the full scope of it kiki palmer joining us here on the program I, i've come in a lot of different ways i think i've definitely grown as far as my age progression and that shows that i've literally grown i guess on screen and people have seen me from you know a young kid to coming of age into an adult and i feel like slowly but surely they're not taking that akila memory out their head but realizing akila is also have you know has grown up i don't ever want to be typecasted as just Girl. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That's the voice, of course, of T.I. There is some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. Yeah, and that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. But, you know, you got to stay down with the home team, though, you know? Nah, no question. I'm, I'm still I'm still down with the skins man what can i say they're they're not doing too well right now well like <laughs> you know what i mean we gotta hey, hey hey look man we gotta we gotta hold it down so we can so we can get it back right again <laughs> that is the voice of maria taylor espn college sports analyst college game day is a show that i grew up watching a, a show that i've always loved i knew that when i was uh, able to join i was more than excited i found out the same week as i turned 30 and it's just something that I never dreamed I would be a part of, but something that I'm so thankful to have under my belt have done for an entire season. It's, there's nothing like it, honestly. Hello, I'm Josh Stone, and I'm here chatting to Donald on Thunder Press Box to Press Roll. Kimber Walker. There's a lot more poise now. You know, um, the game is slowed down, so you know, I kind of know what to expect. You know, I've been watching a lot of film on our offense and, you know, what plays I can make. You know, I'm just trying to make the best plays possible. When I draw a second defender to me, um, I know my job is done. I'm just trying my best to find the open guy. You know, the difference is guys are making shots. That's been the biggest difference. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. And, I mean, I played high school basketball, but... At one point, my career kind of rounded off because I got injured and I wasn't getting as much playing time, so I became impatient. I went to school first, starting off with general studies, then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. I got into the school of business, and it was definitely a great learning experience for me. She's regarded as the best gymnast in the world. She's Simone Biles, the ESPN Swimsuit Edition. Actually, really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Ali had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, like, we're the best shape of our lives. We're feeling confident about our body and we hope that other young girls and women like feel that being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Mine was just like beauty, but also showing muscles. Like I feel like when little girls look at that, they'll think it's okay to have muscles and be beautiful and like sexy at the same time in a good manner. And I think that's what we got across, hopefully. It was great. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because he was against his religion. Mm -hmm. he called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown to Division One. WWE champion Alexa Bliss. How does one go from being a cheerleader as you were at the Division One level at Akron to being the WWE champion? <laughs> well, 
Well, uh, after I appeared in Akron, my uh, trainer had told me that WWE was having a tryout. So, and they knew I was a fan. So I went online and I submitted a video to WWE.com. Um, I didn't think anything would come of it, but then I was called and given a tryout. And then after I tried out, I was signed to NXT and it just kind of became a roller coaster from there. So we're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State? What is going on at Mississippi Valley State University? <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And that brought awareness to the school. And after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row. Real. Relevant. Radio. Let's talk some college basketball here on... From the press box to press room, we're joined by a gentleman in his 13th season as the head men's basketball coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff for the Golden Lions, a home tilt against Alabama State on Saturday. Again, George Ivory in his 13th season as the head coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Happy New Year to you, Coach Ivory. Happy New Year to you. Glad to have me on. Yeah, it's always good. It's been a while. I mean, it's been a little while since we've had you on, uh, but I want to start here because you're coming off, you know, a, a nice win. But, I mean, I, I know you and you've taken this team, you've led the team to a SWAC uh, championship and to an NCAA tournament, and I know you had uh, to be uh, ready quickly to put the 2019-2020 season behind you. Yes, sir. That was a very injury-prone season. And we were really looking forward to getting this new year. And I think the guys have came out and really played great basketball since we started playing and played some really great competition. I think that really inspired the guys to come out and keep working hard every day. Yeah, big win. You had a win against Arkansas State. Uh, the last Your last game was a win against Mississippi Valley State, which is your alma mater. Speak to that one. I mean, that's a 40-point victory in conference play like Generally, in conference play, even if the team is not very good, you you don't generally beat a conference team by 40 points. Well, I thought the guys came out. They paid attention to details on our scouting report, and and they just been working so hard, and I was just glad to see them get a chance to play a home game uh, through the year. And I guess they were very excited to be at home as well. Uh, you know, we, we know we got some more things to work on, but I was very pleased to see those guys. They're very athletic, and a great group of guys to coach. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you're going to have three straight home games when you look at Valley uh, the other day, and then you look at Alabama State, and then another home tilt, which we'll talk more about that um, as well. What was the key? Like, I mean, if you know, if you look at the the 40 points, but obviously, you you know, Sean Dosh Jr. was big for you, 23 points, 13 rebounds uh, in the win over Mississippi Valley State. Can you speak to his play in the victory? Uh, uh, Sean Dawson is a guy that, you know, came in, coming off that injury from last year. Uh, very excited about this basketball season. They've been putting in tremendous work to get uh, ready for this season. And he's a guy that we depended on to give us some uh, scoring and as well as rebounding. 
and his leadership is 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 really been great this year. You know, for you, I mean, it's it's a big win, right? Because you you know you needed you sort of needed a win right there. You lost a couple of games uh, in a row. As a matter of fact, three. Speak to it, but you were playing some big time competition. I mean, Baylor's number two in the country right now. North Texas, Tulane. You know, speak to how not how big that win was. Not only because it was a conference win, but because it ended a three game losing streak. Yeah, it was a big victory for us because, like I said, three game losing streak, and then you start the new year off in conference, and then you know I just think the guys. Uh, was just like I said, really ready to get home to play a, a game or two, you know. Cause been on that road like we first started off the first beginning of the year, we was out, we were gone for 15 straight days, and and I think it took its toll on the young men, and and we were just glad to get back home and and continue to get better. George Ivory is the head men's basketball coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff. He joins us here. On from the press box to press room. I mean, you you spoke to it. I mean, you you know you talk about opening the season up at Marquette, Wisconsin, number seven at the time. You're playing Iowa State. You're at Northwestern. You're at St. Louis. All of those tough games. All of those losses. And similar to that three game losing streak prior to the Mississippi Valley State uh, victory, you were able to beat Arkansas State in snapping. A, the five-game losing streak to talk to uh, start the season. Talk about that victory over Arkansas State, an in-state rival, and what that victory meant. Well, that, that meant a lot to our program to, to get that in-state victory against Arkansas State, and I think the guys was really, really motivated uh, knowing that that's an in-state rivalry. And then we got some guys from that area, like Dawson is really from that area, so he was really motivated, really good. And so, you know, it was a big victory for our program. Yeah, with that, I mean, talk about it because you had the lead, you know, in the first half, and they come back to score in the second half, nip and tuck affair down the stretch. Uh, ultimately, you win the game on uh, Joshua Johnson's free throw with the game tied at seventy four apiece. He makes one free throw, you win the ball game. Yes, sir. Uh, it was a foul at the end, and, and, and Joshua Johnson, the guy that we depend on a lot to for as a point guard, he's a great little player for us. And walked up to the line, and he made the free throw. But it was a great game, you know, both ways. Like I said, we led early, then they came back, and, and it was a tough game all the way through the end. And, and I think the guys just were just kind of, like I said, that rivalry makes a difference. George Ivory's the head men's basketball coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff, joins us here on the program. How has – COVID affected you? Like, have you been directly affected, you know, by COVID? Have you had to reschedule some games? I mean, it seems like almost every team in the country has had to do so. No, sir. We, we hadn't, we've been blessed and, you know, that we haven't uh, had to reschedule any games and, you know, we just thank God for that. And, you know, and I think our leadership, like I said, Sean Dawson has been a tremendous leader, you know, on and off the court. You know, he, he, he constantly drills that in the dorm with the guys about being safe, wearing your mask, and, and and try to stay in safe place. Don't just think about yourself. Think about your teammates. Yeah, no question about it. you got to have a leader, you know, on your team like that. Let's talk a little bit more uh, about Sean Dawson. Uh, you, you mentioned his leadership, certainly. I mean, that, that you know, goes without question. But then he also, uh, with re- in, in addition to the leadership, I mean, he's leading you in scoring. 
uh, as well. He's had, you know, he's had some 20 point outputs, you know, talk about that. He's averaging right now 17.4 points per game. Yeah, you know, and and that's what we expect from Dallas to be, to be that kind of score. But like I said, leadership is so good, and the guys have really accepted his leadership uh, role. And you know, like I said, when he, the guy can give you twenty points, and and I think he see what he could do when he played against Baylor. He had a good game against Baylor, and you know, he just come off swag player of the week this week. Uh, you know, then I was really pleased. Uh, we were doing registration, and he's gonna graduate in May. You know, so. I'm very pleased and happy with him. They just show you what kind of kid he is, a great young man. Yeah, and what about – talk about his progression in your program. This is what, his third year in the program, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And how he's progressed over those three years. Well, you know, when he first came in, uh, he came in in his sophomore year. He played along with another great player we had named Latavius McKnight. And he, he learned from McKnight a lot of good things about leadership and and you can see the difference, his growth every year getting better. And even last when he got hurt, he was selling the bench and still toolish the kids and talk to them about how they playing in the game and certain things they need to do. You could tell he was going to be a great leader. George Ivory again is the head men's basketball coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff. He joins us here on the program. What about this game against Alabama State on Saturday? As a matter of fact, I mean, I don't know if he's going to coach in the game. Uh, Mo Williams, you got. I mean, you know, you guys are both Mara High School alum, right? So, you know, how much yes. forward are you looking uh, to this game, and what are some of the challenges that the Hornets present? Well, uh, I'm looking forward to the game because, like I said, me and Mo go way back, same high school, you know. So, I'm looking forward to the game, and you know, you look at. Uh, I think Mo's going to do a great job as a coach, you know, and I think his team has shown how hard they're going to come out and play. Uh, the Hornets really play hard. I mean, they really get after you, and, and we know, and we've been talking about how hard they're going to be for a victory this weekend. So we, 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 we just got to come in and be ready to play. How does this team differ from last year's team? Well, like I said, last year we had so many injuries. We had Dawes, we missed Nick Jones, we missed uh, Robert Boyd, and – then every then every other game somebody was out, so it, it was a tough season for us last year. You know, uh, so we had to go out and bring in some good pieces to go along with what with Dawson, them three guys coming back. So we think we did that with Joshua Johnson. Uh, we we ranked in the Mullins as one of the top hundred players in the country, JUCO, and we brought in Jalen Lynn, uh, with the third team JUCO All American Division Two. So we thought we hit some good pieces to go along with what we already had. And then lastly, we appreciate the time, Coach Ivory. How important – I mean, obviously you want to get the victory. It's super important. You always, you know, want to get wins. But can you speak to being at home? In all of the COVID-19 uh, and all of the situations, I mean, you have an opportunity. I mean, you're going to take it one game at a time. I get it. But you have an opportunity to go 2-0 and uh, at home – with another opportunity uh, on Monday against Alabama A&M. Speak to how, even though you may not have fans, and it, I don't know if you're having fans or it's not going to be, it's going to be limited fans. The fact of the matter is you get yes, in a sir. bit of a routine because you're at home. Yes, sir. We're we, we, we fortunate to be at home. And like you said, you know, we've got to take advantage of the situation because you, know, you have to go on the road pretty soon. And, and this game is very important. We're taking it one game at a time, but, it's a very important game to get this victory at home.
before we hit the road. George Ivory again in his 13th season as the head men's basketball coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff as the Golden Lions again a home tilt on Saturday as Alabama State comes to Pine Bluff H.O. Clemens Arena again George Ivory the head men's basketball coach of the Golden Lions joins us here on from the press box to press row coach uh, it's great to catch up with you it's been a while continued success to you and the Golden Lions. Yes, sir, and we're we glad to be here, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. So George Ivory's got that leadership in DOS, and I'll tell you, I mean, he mentioned Martavius McKnight, like Martavius McKnight was a beast. Of, I think he was a two-time Box to Row All-American. As a matter of fact, may have been Box to Row National Player of the Year, Division One National Player of the Year. And this young man could really fill it up, had an opportunity to make a G League team, didn't, but he's now playing overseas and making um, some money overseas. So I don't know if this is the year. It's been a while since Arkansas Pine Bluff has won a championship. So we'll see if this is going to be the year. And speaking of Morat, I, I mentioned the fact that Mo Williams is a Mariah gra- uh, graduate, also Mississippi Valley State's head men's basketball coach. Of course, Lindsey Hunter won two NBA championships in the NBA, played at Jackson State, also a Mariah High School graduate. I mean, you look at these those three players. I mean, obviously, George Ivory is older than both of them, and then in the middle is Lindsey Hunter, and then came uh, Mo Williams. Well, that's interesting. So, you look at George Ivory's going to be looking to beat another Marat graduate on Saturday as Alabama State comes to Arkansas Pine Bluff. You can react to anything that George Ivory had to say on Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, on Facebook, B O X, the number two R O W. There needs to be more inclusion in the college football playoff, and we'll talk about it next. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Before we talk some college football here on the program, let's look at the Box to Row National Players of the Week. We begin on the men's side with Hampton's guard Davion Warren, who had a really good week, as a matter of fact, in two games for Hampton. Average 27 points, five and a half rebounds. 
three and a half assists. He made 20 of 37 field goals, which is 54% in two games. As the Pirates last week faced Gardner-Webb, they won one against Gardner-Webb and lost one in the victory. He had 31 points on 11 of 20 shooting, six rebounds and two steals in the game. As a matter of fact, that 31 points was the most points by any player in the Big South Conference so far this year. On the ladies' side, Jackson State forward Amisha Williams had 14 points, pulled down 18 rebounds in the Lady Tigers' 64-56 victory over Alabama A&M. And for Amisha Williams, it was her third double-double of the season. Davion Warren, Amisha Williams, the box to row national players of the week. Also want to get you caught up in terms of where we are in the standings with respect to the SWAC, the MEAC, the OVC uh, with Tennessee State, and then uh, Ham- or the Big South with Hampton. Let's take a look at the SWAC first and foremost. Grambling has a 3-5 and five record, 1-0 and oh in conference play. Arkansas Pine Bluff is 2-8, and 1-0 and oh in conference play. Jackson State 1-5 and five and 1-0 and oh in conference play. Alabama A&M has played just two games, is 2-0 and oh on the season, no conference games. To this point, Texas Southern is 2-5. and five. Again, no conference games. Prairie View A&M 1-4, no conference games. Southern 0-4, no conference games. Alcorn State is 0-5, no conference games. And Mississippi, well, Mississippi Valley State is 0-9 and 0-1 in the conference. And so far, Alabama State is 0-2 and 0-2 in the conference. Had a chance to watch Alabama or Alabama State, that is, play uh, on ESPNU last uh, on Monday in the loss to Jackson State. Looking at on the men's side, Coppin State in the Northern Division, 3-8 and eight on the season, 2-0 and oh in conference play. Morgan State is 4-2, and two, no conference games as of yet. Norfolk State is 4-3, and three, no conference games as of yet. Howard 1-4, and four, no conference games as of yet. And then Delaware State is 0-7 and 0-2 and oh and in conference play. In the Southern Division, A&T 5-9, 2-0 in the conference. North Carolina Central 1-3, no conference games. Florida A&M 1-6, no conference games as of yet. And South Carolina State is 0-12 on the season, 0-2 in conference play. Tennessee State off to a slow start in the OVC, 1-6, 0-4 in conference play. And Hamptons had some nice wins but couldn't get over Radford in back-to-back games. Again, their game also, the Pirates game also, was on ESPNU on Monday. The Pirates lost uh, to Radford, but uh, it's 4-7 on the season. Again, had a nice win over George Washington earlier where we had uh, Buck Joyner on the program back in the early part of December. The Pirates also 3-3 three and three in Big South play. So let's talk some college football playoff here on the program. And, I mean, again, I, you know, and I talked about it a little, alluded to it a little bit earlier. Cincinnati out of the AAC, like, represented the AAC well, represented itself well. And with the Power Five Conference, I mean, obviously it's all about the money. The Power Five conferences have the money. They have the big TV deals. 
Uh, you know, I think the AAC has a television deal, and some of the other conferences uh, do. Seem like the AAC had a deal with the NFL Network um, or, or something like that. Maybe going back a couple of years ago. Maybe I'm mistaken about that, but I mean, it's all about the money, and with that, the Power Five conferences are able to shut out the other schools. And I was talking about this last month. Like, is it time to have a subdivision within the FBS structure where you also can have a national championship that can be played for? Because at the end of the day, I mean, even if you go back to the BCS era, like, you know, Boise State made a little bit of noise and Boise State played uh, if I'm not mistaken, in a BC, not a not the national championship, but obviously in a BCS bowl game. I mean, if you're going back some years ago during the BCS era, I'm not, I can't remember if there was another school that was outside of the big boys, if you will, uh, because even the Big East, like if you look at the Big East, uh, even when Louisville and West Virginia were in the Big East, like it seemed like one year West Virginia was like one game away in the Big East from possibly playing one win away from possibly playing in the national championship game and just couldn't quite get over the hump. I think Rich Rodriguez was the coach, you know, certainly at that time. But uh, the Big East is no longer. The ACC went out and recruited a lot of the Big East schools and the Big East, in, at least in football, went away and then ultimately was able to form back as a basketball and very formidable a basketball conference uh, as 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 it is. But, I mean, all of the Power 5 schools, it's all about the money. Uh, nobody else can get into the top four slots. Even if you open up, think if you expand the play. I mean, I think that's good, but, but really, even if you looked at the expansion piece and you looked at the final CFP rankings, only Cincinnati... Cincinnati was the only school that was a power five school that was not part of the rankings. Now, I think if BYU beats Coastal Carolina, perhaps BYU is part of those rankings. I mean, I thought even though Coastal Carolina lost in that bowl game to Liberty, and of course that was a game where uh, Liberty and Coastal were supposed to play for the conference championship, Liberty uh, had the uh, COVID outbreak and they ultimately played in the bowl game. It was a great bowl game. But I believed that Coastal Carolina showed it showed its wares over the course of the season and did an absolutely tremendous job. I thought that maybe Coastal Carolina should have been part of the conversation in terms of um, a New Year's a New Year's bowl game, right? And they weren't. And I think Coastal Carolina and that that final CFP ranking was like number twelve. You know, and it's just unfortunate, I think, um, because in that room, I mean, you have a lot of uh, diversity, if you will, in the room. You have different, you know, you have, you know, uh, ads and so on and so forth from various conferences. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's. They're never going, expansion may help, right? Expansion, you know, Cincinnati, if we had had an 18 playoff, then Cincinnati would have been part of that playoff. And I think Cincinnati did a tremendous job. I mean, had a 10-point lead and couldn't hold on to that lead and ultimately lost that game. But no shame, 
Cincinnati played well. It's a game that Cincinnati could have won. But perhaps it's time for a subdivision, like we already have a Division I subdivision. We call it FCS. But perhaps there's time to have a subdivision within the FBS where other other conferences, other schools are able to participate in a type of national championship game. I mean, I think, I mean, I think you could, you know, you could, I mean, because the other thing is you may have a situation and Boise state really faced this in the BCS era where you're going to have those bigger conferences. They're not even going to play you. They're not even going to play you in those games to start the season. Those so-called money games. They're not even going to play you in those um, ultimately, a lot of times, I mean, because they're both FBS opponents, it should be a situation where you have a home and home where the generally speaking, the big, uh, you know, especially, well, certainly in the SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, even Pac-12. And, man, and then, of course, the ACSC, and especially when you're talking about, you know, the teams like a Clemson or even a Miami who you know, had a solid season or even a North Carolina who's on the rise, right? They're not going to play, you know, you know, North Carolina's not going to go to App State and play. Like, that's not going to happen. And uh, so generally that's going to be some kind of payout to, you know, in that case, to an App State. But you're going to see a lot of those schools, they're not going to play those games because, A, there's a risk in possibly losing those games, and B, they want to keep the non-Power 5 schools out of the conversation with respect to the college football playoff. And I think it's an absolute uh, travesty. I, You know, again, as I mentioned, I referenced Boise State. I mean, Boise State played some tough teams, and there were some teams that played Boise State. Um, but ultimately speaking, I mean, it was just few and far between for a Boise State to ultimately be able to get into that conversation in terms of playing for the national championship. And, you know, I think that is, I mean, obviously it is very unfortunate, um, but unfortunately is what it is. So maybe it's time for those non-Power 5 schools. And I think the AAC is like right there with the likes of some of the ACC programs can beat some of the ACC programs you know, pretty, pretty, pretty steadily, I think, and can beat some of the other programs um, as well, especially when you're talking about the upper level programs. You go back to UCF a couple of years ago who had an undefeated season. You know, you go back to Houston a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, you you generally are going to have an AAC team that's going to at least have one team that's going to be in the running for the conversation for the national championship. And unfortunately, the AAC and other FBS non-Power 5 conferences are squeezed out of the conversation. Your thoughts? Is it time for a maybe a subdivision of the FBS where the some of the non-Power 5 schools can play for a national championship? Hit me up on Twitter at box to row or on Facebook uh, at B-O-X-T-O, or excuse me, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. I've got to get ready to run here on the program. Thank you to George Ivory, the head men's basketball coach for joining us today uh, of Arkansas Pine Bluff, that is, for joining us today here on the program for great content 
Got some great content. The conversation with uh, Robert Covington is on our website right now at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row is presented by DW Communications. Everybody